Well, this morning, I have a really, really helpful piece of advice to give you. So I want you to get your pens ready, because this thing, this advice that I'm about to tell you, is pretty, it's pretty mind-blowing. I think after you hear me say this, you're going to be like, what? Really? So get ready. Is it, is it hyped up enough? Yeah. All right. Here, listen closely. This is helpful, helpful advice. To use something properly. To use something properly, you need to know its purpose. To use something the way that it was intended to be used, you have to know the purpose of it. Now I know you guys don't even know what to say. You guys are just so like, wow, that's so good. Well here, let's talk about it some more. I bet there are actually a few, maybe more than a few, everyday household items that you are not using properly. And it's because you, you just don't know. You don't know the original purpose. You don't know exactly what it's supposed to do. Here we go. Here's some. You guys use a toothbrush, right? Everybody should say yes. You should use, yes, use toothbrush. Did you guys brush your teeth today? Please say yes. <laughs> well, okay. Obviously, toothbrushes are meant for your teeth. I wasn't going to say something, you know, crazy. The one that you put in your mouth, you use for your shoes. After you use it with your mouth, you put it on your shoes. <laughs> okay. Tooth, toothbrush, meant, meant for your teeth. All right? When you guys were young and you were going to the dentist and your dentist was like, hey, you got to make sure that you brush your teeth this way. What did your dentist say? How did the dentist say that you need to actually brush your teeth? Circles? Circles? And it's tiny circles? What about like left to right? Anybody ever hear like you got to go left to right? Yeah? Well, listen, I have on very, very credible sources that if you brush your teeth in circles or if you brush your teeth from left to right, you're brushing your teeth the wrong way. You're doing it the wrong way. You're supposed to go up and down, up and down. It's not good for your teeth. It's not good. A credible one, okay? <laughs> it's not good for your teeth if you go left and right or in the circles. You have to be going up and down, okay? So all I'm saying is that maybe some of you guys are using a toothbrush the wrong way. Here's one. You guys use sticky notes? Yeah? Okay. Have you ever, hey, listen, have you ever noticed that after you peel a sticky note off of it, you know, the, the rest of the, the, the stack, and you write on it, slowly it starts to like curl up on itself, you know what I'm talking about? And then it's really annoying because you can't actually read what's on the sticky note. And then every time you read it, you have to like pull it down, you know what I'm talking about? So annoying, so annoying. Well, that's because you're peeling it the wrong way. Sticky notes are meant to be peeled from the side to side. From left to right. Not from bottom to top or top to bottom, but from side to side. You do it from side, that's the right way. So listen, if, if when you guys, if when you use sticky notes, you're like, I don't, I don't like them because they curl up, start peeling from side to side and then you're welcome because you're not going to be annoyed with that anymore, right? The sticky note, Here, here's a crazy one, here's a crazy one. I bet that you guys are not using your ceiling fans properly. Your ceiling fans. Now listen. No, 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 no. It does so much more than turning on and off. Listen. Ceiling fans, during the summer, when it's hot outside, you guys really like to use ceiling fans, correct? Because it helps cool off the room, make it feel better. But then you may think, oh, well, when it's winter, when it's cold, my ceiling fan serves no purpose. So I'm just never going to turn the fan on. Ceiling fans, ceiling fans actually have a purpose for when it's cold outside. If you, if you have ever noticed on your ceiling fan, there's this little tiny uh, switch. Have you ever noticed that before? Not the, not the things that you pull, but on, if you pay really close attention, somewhere on your fan, there's going to be a switch, like an on-off switch or something like that. What it does is if you turn it or you flip the switch, it causes the blades on the fan to rotate in the opposite direction. So now, it's not blowing cool air down and cooling off the room. It's blowing warm air up towards the ceiling. And it's causing warm air to circulate around your room so that it gets warm. Yeah. 
who did not know that? That's crazy. So when you go home, when you go, it should be, it should be every, if not most, uh, ceiling fan. So if you go and you look at your fan, there's a little, like a little switch, little tiny thing. That's what it does. And test it out. You flip it, you turn the fan on, it's going to go the opposite way. And if you stand under it, also, there's the other thing. If, if you've ever thought that your ceiling fan just doesn't work, like if you've ever just like, it's been on like full speed and you're standing under it and you're like, I don't feel any air. It's because the blades are pushing the air up instead of down because it's spinning the wrong way. So maybe that's helpful. Here's one. I bet that you guys are using Q-tips the wrong way. Q-tips. Q-tips. Who uses Q-tips to clean their ears? Q-tips to clean your ears? Yeah, listen. <laughs> when you go home, I want you to look at the, the back of the, the Q-tip box, and you're going to read a warning, and it says, do not put Q-tips in your ears. Q-tips are not meant to clean your ears. Q-tips were originally invented for the purpose of cleaning hard-to-reach places. Like a keyboard, right? Like, like, uh, like your phone, like we know the charging port, it gets dirty. It's something like that. For hard-to-reach places, that's what a Q-tip was invented for, right? So that's Q-tips. Here's one. Raise your hand if you have an oven at your house. If you have an oven in your kitchen, an oven in your kitchen, does the bottom of your oven have a drawer? What do you use that drawer for? You store stuff in it. Guess what? You're all wrong. It's not meant for storage. It's not meant for that. Here's what it's meant for. You, after you pull food from the oven, it's hot. You open the drawer. You put the food in the drawer. You close it. And it keeps the food warm. Crazy, right? That's what it's for. <clears throat> All right, here. Here's one. Here's one. Who, got, who, who uses Listerine? Listerine, mouthwash. You put it in your mouth. Do you guys have any idea what Listerine was originally intended for? Floor cleaner. Floor cleaner. That means that when you guys put Listerine in your mouth at night and you slosh it around, you're sloshing floor cleaner in your mouth. That's what it's for. That's the original. All right, all right. Just a couple more, a couple more, a couple more. Who likes bubble wrap? What is bubble wrap for? Okay, we, we all say popping. Did someone just say eating? Who just said eating? <laughs> I hope that you don't eat bubble wrap. All right, now look, everybody's going to say, oh, it's for popping. Ha, ha, ha. Well, obviously it's not for that. What is it actually for? You are wrong. You are wrong. Here is why bubble wrap, here is why bubble wrap was originally invented. To be wallpaper. To be wallpaper. Yeah. I think that'd be really fun wallpaper. You know what I mean? Pop it. That's why they made it. As, as wallpaper. I don't know. All right. Listen, a couple more. Who likes to throw a Frisbee? Frisbees. Frisbees were originally invented not to be thrown around and play games with, but to hold pies. To hold pies. Yeah. And so people started to eat the pie. They would eat the pie and they would take the container and they'd throw it around and it would just like fly through the air. And then they started to play games with it. Now listen, the original Frisbees, these original things, they weren't like the plastic ones like we have, like the ultimate Frisbee ones. They were just like aluminum or something, but they would still do the same thing. And now people took that and they were like, oh, let's make a sport of this pie container. And now it's this huge deal, right? <clears throat> They still make pie containers, but people don't typically throw those as Frisbee. You go buy a Frisbee when all you need is a pie container, you know? It's crazy. Okay, all right, listen, listen, listen closely, listen closely. Here's the last one, the last one. Listen, look at me, look at me, listen, last one. Friendship. Friendship. You guys are like, what? What do you mean? Now, hey, listen. Listen, you need to know the purpose of friendship. Because if you don't know the purpose, the God-given purpose of friendship, 
then you are going to be using friendship incorrectly. You're going to be using it to get things, to do things that God never intended the, the main purpose of friendship to be. If you pay attention to what the world says about friendship, if you pay attention to what the world says friendship should be, then you probably don't understand the real purpose of having friends. If you've gotten your ideas of what friendship is from movies and TV shows and social media, or you've gotten your idea of what the perfect friend is from the same stuff from the world, then you probably don't really understand what friendship is for, and you probably don't really understand what a good friend looks like. And it's really important that you understand these things, that you understand what is friendship for, what is the God-given purpose of friendship, because if you don't get it, you're not going to be using friendship properly. You're going to be doing, using friendship to do things that it's not the main purpose. Now look, honestly, it's not that big of a deal if you get these other things wrong. You know, if you didn't know that about your ceiling fan, okay, like, now you know, but it's really not that big of a deal, right? If you never knew that Frisbees were actually originally pie containers, okay, oh well, it's not that big of a deal. But listen, if you don't understand God's design for friendship, that is a big deal. This is really important. This is a really big deal. We have to understand that God created friendship with a purpose, and we have to know what the purpose is. I will be in several different passages of Scripture today, but I want you to open up first to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, and we're going to read verse 20. God gives very clear instructions, very clear instructions in His Word about what friendship is and who your friends should be. And listen, if you claim to be a Christian... If you say, I am a follower of Jesus, if you say, I want to obey God with my life, then that includes friendship. You have to say, God, I want to obey you, so that means I'm going to obey you with what you say about friends. I'm going to be the good friend. I'm going to be the friend that you want me to be. I'm going to befriend the people that you want me to befriend. I'm going to make sure that I'm using friendship the way that your word says it should be used. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So what we see in this verse is that the purpose of friendship, the purpose of friendship is to help you become wiser and godlier. Friends are supposed to help each other and push each other and motivate each other to be more like Jesus. You need to understand that you have to be friends with, God says that your closest friends, your closest companions need to be wise people and they need to be godly people. That's what friendship is for. You need to befriend wise and godly people because it is to help you become wiser and godlier. Now last week we talked about a lot of things, a lot of principles from the book of Proverbs that you need to do in order to have a, a wiser year, to be wiser this year, to make better choices. Now today we're looking very specifically at this one thing, this, this one very important way to become wiser this year. So you need to surround yourself with wise friends. You need to be surrounded by wise and godly people if you want to become a wiser person. Now to start this, we need to lay some framework, a groundwork. We've got to do some work to help us understand exactly, is this true? Why is this true? We've got to do some work. You have to understand something important before you're going to see the need to surround yourself with these kinds of friends. And here's what you need to understand. This is point number one. You have to understand the biblical purpose of friendship. That's the whole point here. You have to understand the biblical purpose of friendship. And like we just read in Proverbs 13.20, we see the biblical purpose of friendship is to become more like Jesus. It's for your friends to be pushing you to be more like Jesus. That's the purpose. Now look, the world's view of friendship is a whole lot different in the Bible's view, which is why I was saying if you're getting what you know and think about friendship from worldly sources, then it's going to be 
not even close to what the Bible says about what friendship should be. Here's what the world says about friendship. The world tells you that you need to be friends with people that are going to make you look good. This is what the world says. Just look at social media. Look at TV. Look at Hollywood. And the way that they portray friendship is you need to be friends with popular people. You need to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that are going to make you more popular, make you more likable. They're going to make you this, this popular person on campus because that's what friendship is for. The world's going to say, find the popular people. Find the athletic people. Find the smart people. Find those people and do whatever it takes to become their friend because it's going to be better for you. Now that's a selfish motivation. The motivation of friendship really doesn't have anything to do with you personally and what you can gain out of it. It's pushing your friends to be more like Christ. And the one thing that you are focused on gaining from your friends is you are becoming more like Christ. Nothing about popularity, nothing about reputation, nothing about that. All about are you becoming more like Jesus when you hang out with these people? Are the people that you spend most of your time with, are they pushing you to be more like Jesus? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We see here again, the biblical purpose for friendship is to have people in your lives that encourage you to be more like Jesus. That's the purpose. That's God's design for your friends to be helping you to become more like Jesus, which ultimately, of course, brings glory to God. So the author of Hebrews here, he says this to stir, let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And so he's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking about people in the church. This is what you need to do. You need to stir one another up to love and good works. Have you guys ever cooked something and you, you're stirring something I'm talking about? Or you just like, you gotta, I don't know, you get this big pot, you're stirring it up, you're mixing all the ingredients, and it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. You can see like the stuff floating around in there, and you're like, oh yeah, the stirring is working. Okay? So the Bible says that we're supposed to be stirring one another up to good works. It's that picture. You guys are like, you're pushing and stirring and helping each other to see that God wants you to help each other become more like Jesus. And, and, and you are doing that. You're seeing it and it's working. You're stirring it up in each other to consider how to do this, how to love better. So when we see the word stir up, it's like to motivate, to push each other, to have a positive influence on each other, stir each other up for love and for good works. I want you to think about this. Do the people that you spend the majority of your time with, are they stirring good works up in you? Are they pushing you and motivating you to be more like Jesus, to love better, to do things that God is pleased with and not things that God hates? Do you love other people better because of the positive influence of your friends? Do you have friends that motivate you to have righteous and godly behavior? That's what God says you need out of friends. That's what friendship is for. And that's the friend that you need to be. So not just that, not just stirring each other up for love and for good works, but the Bible also uses the word encouragement. Friendships are, are meant to be encouraging. Your friends should encourage you. Encouraging you to do what? To, to be holy. To love Jesus more. To pursue Christ. To live a life that pleases God. Friends are supposed to encourage you to do these things. But also, a godly friend is one that will encourage you when you're feeling down. When you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're upset, when something isn't going right. A godly friend will encourage you and, and comfort you and help you to feel better. Now look. They're not going to encourage you and help you feel better by pointing you to do things that are not pleasing to God. And here's what I mean. If your friend sees that you're down and they say, oh, I know what will make you feel better. Let's go do this thing. Let's go watch this. And that thing is not pleasing to God. If they're trying to cheer you up by doing something that God hates, that's not the encouragement that the Bible's talking about. That's encouragement to do something sinful. And godly friends will not encourage you to do something sinful. 
So the encouragement of a godly friend when you're down, when you're upset, is going to be the type of encouragement that says, hey, you need to remember God right now. You need to remember that God is with you, that God is good, that God is faithful, that God loves you, that God is in control, that even though things don't make sense right now, you can trust him, you need to trust God. And hearing the truth of scripture from your friend, that will encourage you. The truth from God's word, that's what encourages you. That's what comforts you. And that's how a godly friend will encourage you and push you. So I'm going to ask a lot of questions, a lot of reflective questions for you to think about. And and I hope that you actually will think and answer these questions in your mind honestly. There's going to be a lot of them. And here's, here's another one. When you're done hanging out with your friends, when it's over, have they encouraged you to have a better relationship with Jesus? When you are done hanging out with your friends, do you feel encouraged and motivated to love Jesus better, to love him more, to read your Bible more, to pray more, to to love others better? Like when you go home from your friend's house, when you're hanging out with friends and you finally get home and it's just you and you're at home and you're in your room by yourself, do you feel a desire to love God more? Do you have a a motivation and a desire to be more like Christ? Have your friends had that kind of influence on you? Proverbs 27, 17, it's a popular verse. It says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Now this verse, it's a great verse and and, and I'll be honest, it's, it's really popular and a lot of times this is like a manly verse, you know, like men, this is the, the dude's verse, like man, man, you know, men's ministry, we need to sharpen each other. It's not just for dudes, it's for everybody, it's, it's for men and women, okay? So when the, you see the word man, it doesn't just mean man as in boy, it's like people, mankind, that's how, that's how the Bible talks about people, okay? So what we're, what we're seeing here is that As iron sharpens iron, one person should sharpen another person. See, this is God's design for friendship. We're seeing what a biblical and a godly friend does. So if you want to sharpen something that's made of iron, you need iron. If you have a knife or or something like that made of iron, you have to have something else made of iron. And you rub them against each other and the impurities, right, and, and the rough edges will get rubbed out and the knife will be sharpened then to do what it's supposed to do, which is cut. And so we see people sharpen people. Your friends should help you to be sharpened. And of course, when we say sharpened, we don't mean so that you can cut. We're talking about for you to be more like Jesus. Whenever you are being sharpened, it's you looking more like Christ. It's you loving Jesus better. So your friends should be sharpening you. You should be having this effect on each other, sharpening each other to love Jesus better, to glorify God with your lives even more. That's what friends are for. You're supposed to be helping each other become more like Jesus. And so godly friends are friends who say the hard things. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What this is saying is that a godly friend is going to tell you something sometimes and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt you. There's going to be a wound there. So a godly friend isn't someone who just all the time tells you how great you are. You're the best thing ever. You, your ideas are always right. You're never wrong. Everyone else in this situation is wrong. You keep doing you. you just, you're the best. You're, you would never do anything wrong. I, I, no, That's not what a godly friend does. Because just like we talked about last week, we said that if you want to be wiser this year, then you need to know that you can't trust yourself. So there's proof right there from God's word that you're not the best thing ever that you do make mistakes, that you do mess up. So if your friends are always trying to tell you, no, you're the best, and that's what you guys do, you're the best, and you're the best, and you never mess up, and everyone else is wrong, and you would never do anything wrong, and, and they don't like you, and it's their problem, it's not your problem. You gotta remember, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Profuse means like a, a lot, many. 
So uh, an enemy will give many kisses, and a faithful friend will give you wounds. And so what this is not saying is that a godly friend will hurt you, as in betray you, gossip about you, and do things like that and sin towards you, okay? So you're not going to leave here saying, oh, if I'm a good friend, I have to betray everybody. That's not what I'm saying. The wounds that we're talking about, the wounds that the Bible is talking about, or whenever a friend tells you something that's hard to hear, but it's something that you need to hear. So for example, if you have been gossiping, or you've been lying, or you've been looking at things that you shouldn't look at, and you have been trying to influence your friends in this way, or even if you haven't been trying to do that, but even if your friends just notice this about you, and your friend comes up to you and says, hey, you've been gossiping a lot, God hates that, you need to stop it. You need to repent because this isn't good. And if you keep doing this, and I can't be around you. I can't, I can't do that because this is not pleasing God. Hearing that from a close friend, it hurts. There's, oh man, it stings. It's like you feel it in your chest, in your heart, and you're like, oh. But the Bible says that that wound, that pain that you're feeling, is actually the faithfulness of a godly friend. Because a godly friend is not just going to sit by and let you live in sin, and say, keep doing it, you're the best thing ever, you keep going, a godly friend is going to say, whoa, that's sin, that's sinful, you know God hates that. And so it may hurt for a minute, but the Bible says that that's a faithful friend, that's what a good friend does. And it says that the enemy, the enemy is the person who just tells you how great you are, never calls you out for the wrong that you're doing, never holds you accountable, that's not a godly friend. That's what the Bible says the enemy does. So you've got to understand that. That's what God says friends are for. I want you to think about this question. When was the last time? When was the last time that you had a friend confront you about sin in your life? When was the last time one of your peers, one of your friends came up to you and said, Hey, I've noticed that you keep saying this. You keep acting this way, you're doing this, and you just really need to know that that's sin. And I'm telling you this because I love you. You need to stop it. If the answer is never, that's never happened, you're probably not using friendship the way that God designed it to be used. You're probably just thinking about how can I have fun with my friends? How can we just make sure we're having the best time all the time? But friendship is meant to sharpen you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now listen, not only do I want you to think about when's the last time a friend did that to you, but I want you to think, when's the last time that you had that conversation with one of your friends? Because you saw that they were going down a bad path, that they were starting to make a habit of something sinful that you knew was wrong, and you confronted them and you said, I love you enough to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. Have you ever done that? If the answer is no, I've never done that, then you need to understand that is what a friend is for. Now look, I am not suggesting that every single time a friend messes up or does something, you need to say, ha, you messed up. That was sin. You know, they don't need to do it that way. There's a, there is a good and godly way to do this, which is done with love and compassion. Because you need to understand that you're a sinner just like your friend is. So when you see someone, a friend that you love, that's making decisions that, does, that don't please God, the conversation should be something like, hey, I'm telling you this because I love you but you need to stop doing that because that's something that God hates. That's what a godly friend does. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. You see in those verses what a godly friendship looks like. You need to be surrounded with people who are going to build you up. 
You need to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with people like that. You need to make sure that you are being the friend like that. Building each other up instead of tearing each other down. Being encouraging. Here's another question. Is there someone in your life, do you have a friend in your life right now that makes you want to be more like Jesus when you spend time around them? Is there someone that you hang out with and when you're done, you think, man, I just want to be more like that person because that person is so much like Christ. Not, I want to be popular like that person, but I want to be like that person because they love Jesus. That's the purpose of friendship. That's why God has given us the gift of friendship. So now you know the reason that God gives us friends. This is God's reason, God's purpose for friendship. Are you using friendship properly? Or are you getting something different from it? Are you using it for other reasons? Look again at the proverb, Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Wise friends, good and godly friends, have a positive effect, a positive impact on you. And what they do is they help you become more like Jesus. I've said it over and over and over again. I hope that you get it. That's what a godly friend does. They will have this positive impact on you. But the second half of this verse gives us the bad news, the negative part, which is this. Foolish friends, ungodly friends, have a bad impact on you. A negative effect, a negative impact. The the impact that they have on you is that they cause you to suffer harm. They harm you. You need to see this. You need to hear what I'm saying. You need to get this through your minds today. Here's point number two. You need to see the negative effects of ungodly friends. You need to see this and understand this, that Ungodly friends, when you spend the majority of your time around people who are ungodly, it will have a negative effect on you. It will drag you down and cause you to do things that God is not pleased with. It will cause you to do sin, to start sinful habits. And that's a promise. That's what will happen. That's what God's word says will happen. So a wise person, of course, like like we said, a wise person is a godly person who makes choices that are pleasing to God. And the more time you spend around a person like that, it's going to influence you. You're going to see godly people make godly decisions, and it's going to teach you. You're going to learn how to make the similar decisions. You're going to see people do it, and you're going to say, oh, that's how you respond in that situation in a way that pleases God. That's the choice I need to make in that situation. That's what I need to do, and it's going to influence you in the right way. But again, the other side of this is that if you have foolish people as your companions, if you spend time with unwise and ungodly people, it will create problems for you. So that word companion, we don't use that word a whole lot. When's the last time you used, did you ever use that word in a conversation? Like, hey, can you be my companion? Probably not. When you talk to your parents, are you like, hey, uh, me and my companions want to do this? Probably not. It's not a word we use a whole lot. But here's what a companion is. It's a person that you spend a lot of time with. That's literally what companion means. A person that you spend a lot of time with. So think about who the companions are in your life. The people that you spend a lot of time with. And now here's what a fool is. This is what the Bible describes a fool is someone who acts unwisely. And it says that the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you spend the majority of your time around people that the Bible says are foolish, it will hurt you. It will harm you. It will not be good for you. So a fool is basically someone who refuses to listen to wisdom. Someone who disregards the word of God. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man. If, if you hear the word of God and you make the conscious decision to disregard, to not do it, then you are a fool. And that's what Jesus says. 
and it says the companion of fools will suffer harm. And we've talked about the book of Proverbs is really helpful, it's full of wisdom. Well, the book of Proverbs shows us in several places what else a foolish person will do. What, what, the things that, what, what are things that a foolish person does? And here's just a, a quick list, okay? A foolish person hates knowledge. And I'm not just talking about knowledge as in like learning random things, but hates knowledge as in you, you, you don't, a foolish person doesn't like growing, doesn't like learning. And specifically, doesn't enjoy the knowledge that God's word provides. A fool will hate knowledge. A foolish person enjoys what is wicked. Enjoy. You, a foolish person will have fun doing what God hates. They enjoy doing the wicked things. A foolish person says evil things. Says evil things. A foolish person ignores their parents' discipline. So I'm just going to pause here for a second. Think about the people that you hang out with. Do they ignore their parents' discipline? Do they scoff and, and, and laugh when their parents are disciplining them? Do they say, oh, I can't believe my parents said that's so dumb, that's so stupid. That's a foolish person. A wise and godly person will listen to and heed the discipline of their parents. Proverbs says that a foolish person uses foul language. Bad words, cursing, it is a sin, guys. And a foolish person will use those words. A foolish person will use cursing, curse words, but also perverted speech. Perverted, inappropriate things. That's what a foolish person does. A foolish person gets angry quickly. And is prideful and is deceitful. A foolish person tears other people down. And here's a big one. A foolish person, they think that sin is funny. They think that it's funny. They laugh when they do things that God hates. They laugh when they see things in entertainment, movies, TV, whatever that God hates. They think it's funny. So you get to choose your friends. That's, that's, you have a choice. You get to pick and choose your friends. Have you made a good choice? Have you made good and godly decisions about the people that you spend time with? Look, the Bible says that foolish friends are going to make you suffer harm. I'm just going to give you a few examples of what this might look like. Foolish friends will make you suffer harm. First of all, being friends with foolish people will result in you having increased bad decisions. Increased bad decisions. So spending time around ungodly people, you're going to see a bunch of bad decisions and this is going to start affecting you and you're going to be making bad decisions. You're going to be doing things that are foolish. You're going to be doing things that God hates. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company ruins good morals. That's it. That's what God says about the matter. Bad company ruins good morals. That means that bad company, that's foolish friends. That's ungodly people. And when you are in their company, when you're spending the majority of your time around them, it doesn't matter how good you think you are or how well behaved you think you are. It will bring you down. Being in their company, being in their presence, it will slowly start to cause you to make bad decisions, ungodly decisions. That's what's going to happen. So don't make the foolish decision of saying, no, I, I, my will is stronger than you think, Pastor Jacob. I can spend time around these people and I won't do the things that they do. Yes, you will. And that's not me. That's God's word telling you what will happen. You need to believe that's, that's what's going to happen and see the danger in that. Spending time with unwise people, with ungodly people, it, it'll, it will affect your reputation. And I know that maybe you guys don't really think about your reputation a whole lot. And in a lot of ways, we shouldn't really care, okay? But there are some things about our reputation, that's how people perceive us, that we should care about. And I'll explain. When people see you, like your parents or your teachers or, or other people at your schools or or whoever, when these kinds of people, when they see you and you're surrounded with people, with friends that are consistently making bad and ungodly and unwise decisions, you are guilty by association. 
It doesn't matter if you say, I don't do the things that they do. I, don't, I, oh, they, I know they do bad things, but I don't do those things. It doesn't really matter because those are the people that you spend the most time with. No one's going to look at you and say, oh, that one, okay, that's fine. They don't do bad things because they're just looking at what the group is doing. And this can bring you down. It can negatively affect you. This will make it hard for people to trust you. Your parents, your teachers, other friends, other peers, your coaches, your leaders. It'll make it hard for people to trust you. And here, I'll prove this to you. Would you trust someone who said, hey, you can trust me. I make good decisions. I do the right thing. I try to do the right thing. But here's the weird thing about my life is like, I have three best friends and they're all bank robbers. And every Saturday at five o'clock, they pick a new bank to rob. And I, I you know, kind of, I just, sometimes I'm there, but I don't actually do it. But, but you can trust me. I'm a good person. What would you say to that person? I don't trust you. But I, but I don't rob the bank. It, it doesn't, you're best friends with these people. How could I trust you? You see, that has a negative effect. It doesn't matter how much the person says, but I don't do it. I'm not involved. Well, those are your best friends, though. That's not a good sign. How can I trust you if that's the case? Look, bad friends, ungodly friends, they will cause you to make bad decisions. And bad decisions can ruin your life. Now, I know that you may hear that and go, oh, okay, okay, Pastor Jacob, calm down. Like, that's a little extreme. I know that sounds extreme. I know that to you guys, that may not make a whole lot of sense, but you need to listen. That is the truth. Ungodly friends can cause you to make ungodly and unwise decisions, and bad decisions can ruin your life. Bad decisions can take you down a path that is really hard for you to get out of. If you start making bad decisions now and you don't stop and you don't put better people around you, it's going to be that much harder for you as you're getting older to be making better decisions, to be making wise decisions. And it all starts with, who are you surrounding yourself with? Foolish friends, they will leave you away from God, not closer to him. Every time, that's the way it's going to happen. If you're spending the majority of your time, if your best friends are people that are ungodly and doing things consistently that God hates, it's going to lead you away. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you tell me, I, I, I don't believe you. I'm going to, it doesn't matter. It's what's going to happen. When I was in college, I went to college at Liberty. Um, Liberty, at the time that I was there, was was voted to have the best dining service in America out of all the colleges in America. I don't have a clue, by the way, how they actually measured that. I don't know what they did. I don't know if they sent somebody around and they tried all the food and they said Liberty was the best. I don't, I don't know. But like, may, maybe I can't say for sure it's the best in the country, but it was really good. Like we had a lot of really good dining options. We had our cafeteria, which was really good, which had like a bunch of stuff in it. Like, I mean, so much, like Mexican and pizza and pasta and this place called Mongolian food. I don't know, it was super good. But then we also had other places to eat, like this place called Star Ginger. And you had like orange chicken and rice and these green beans, and it was like so good. And you could also get like, like, like some kind of noodles. I don't know what it was called. Not ramen, but uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. Can't think of it. And then next to that place, there was this place called uh, Hey Cow, where you could get burgers, delicious burgers. Across campus, there was a Chick-fil-A Across the other side of campus, there's a Dunkin' Donuts where you could get coffee and donuts. I mean, it was so good. There's this Italian place. So good. But the cafeteria, okay, the cafeteria was, was called The Rot. The Rot. This is what it was called, The Rot. And I know that the name sounds bad because you don't want to eat somewhere called The Rot. And look, the, the reason, and look, it, 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 it started because... The original name was called the Reber Thomas Dining Hall. And people in, at the college back like 50 years ago decided we're going to shorten it and call it the Rot. I don't know why, but it's stuck. And so they have this, and it's still called the Rot. They still go. Now, 
I, when I was a college student, I would avoid the rot. I would do whatever it took to not go there. But it wasn't because the food was bad. The food was really good. And now you're thinking, that's crazy. Why wouldn't you go there if the food was really good? I'll tell you why. Because I knew that no matter what I did, if I went inside the rot and I sat down and I ate, I would leave the rot smelling really bad. I would leave smelling bad and I would have to go to my class and sit with like 400 other people in my class smelling like a gross cafeteria. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like the, the nasty, like old food, like wet floor cafeteria smell. And I'm talking about, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't matter how good the food is, sometimes cafeterias just stink. And so I would go, and, and no matter what I did, I would leave smelling bad. It didn't matter how much cologne I put on. It didn't matter, like, if I put a jacket on, and then I took the jacket off, and then, like, it's still everything I was wearing would smell bad. So I made the decision at that point, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm going to avoid going there, because I know that if I go there, it's going to have this negative effect on me. I'm going to be smelling really bad. Okay? So look, here's my advice to you. Avoid the rot. And here's what I mean. Here's what I mean, okay? Ungodly friends, they will have a negative effect on you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you say, but I'm good. I do the right thing. I know better. It doesn't matter how you prepare. If you go there and you spend time around ungodly and unwise people, it will have a negative effect on you. So what you need to understand is that you just need to avoid it. You need to stop spending all your time with people that are ungodly. You need to evaluate your friends, and if they are leading you in the wrong direction, you need to understand that right now it's time to put some separation there. Now, look, I'm not saying that you need to figure out if your friends are godly or not, and if they're not, call them today and say, my pastor said we can't be friends anymore, and hang up, okay? That is not the right thing to do at all. But you do need to think about, okay, how much time am I spending around these people? And what kind of effect is it having on me? And if you think deeply and honestly about it, you'll come to the realization that ungodly people are having a bad impact on your life. Now let me be, let me be very clear about something else. I am not saying that you cannot spend any time at all around people that are not Christians. Because you know who else? in the Bible, spent a pretty good amount of time around sinners? Jesus Christ did. But here's the difference between what Jesus was doing with these people and what you do and what I do when we spend this amount of time. Jesus' goal was spending time with ungodly people was to share the gospel with them. It was to go into their homes and spend time with them, not just to form this great relationship and always hang out, but it was for the purpose of sharing the gospel, of telling them that they need to repent of their sin and put their trust in him. So yeah, I, I am not saying that you have to cut all ties and you can never hang out with people that are ungodly. But what I am saying is the time that you spend around them needs to be focused around one thing, and that is sharing the gospel with them. Telling them that they have a need for Jesus. Because of their sin, they need to repent and put their trust in Jesus. Hope you guys are understanding that. That's, that, is, that should be the goal. That's what you're after with hanging out with these people, spending time around people like this. So what I want you to do is I want you to stop telling yourself. Stop telling yourself it's not a big deal that you're hanging out with people that are ungodly. You gotta stop telling yourself that. Stop thinking right now. In your, in your mind, if you're thinking, okay, it, I hear Pastor Jacob, but it's, it's not a big deal. Stop thinking that. Because it is a big deal. This is a huge deal. There are so many verses in the Bible that talk about this same exact thing. It's all over the Bible that you need to choose your friends wisely. So here's point number three. Seek wise and godly friends. Seek wise and godly friends this year. To be wiser this year, you need to surround yourself with wise people. 
Now, some of you guys, you're, you do this. Some of you guys are like, I, I know my friends are godly, and, and I know this, and, and I know that I'm not spending the majority of my time around people that are ungodly. And you've been sitting here thinking the whole time, like, yeah, I understand. I get what you're saying, because my friends do push me to be more like Jesus. And I try to do the same thing to my friends. But the truth is that some of you guys have ungodly and foolish friends. And you're spending the majority of your time with people who are dragging you down, who are corrupting you, as the Bible says will happen. You need to know that it has to be a priority of yours this year to seek wise and godly friends. You need to realize that it has a negative impact, that ungodly friends have a negative impact on your life. Guys, you need to be praying about this. You need to be praying. If you're here this morning, right now, and you're thinking, man, like, I, I know that I need godly friends, then today, you need to start praying, saying, God, will you please bring these people into my life? But not just that. You need to be praying that God will make you into that friend. You say, God, yes, I need these friends, but I also need to be this kind of friend. So help me to do this. Help me to focus on you, on, on sharpening my friends and, and being a good influence on their lives and influencing them towards you to be more like you. That's the kind of friend that you need to surround yourself with and it is the kind of friend that you need to be. So look, this year, 2024, the new you needs to be a wiser you. The new you needs to be a wiser you and to become wiser, you need to make sure that you are walking with the wise. Let's pray. God, please help us to understand what your word is saying to us about our friends, about our relationships. It can be hard to hear things like this. God, we know that we need to listen. Because this is from you, it's from your word, this is what you say, and we want to obey you, we want to glorify you, we want to honor you. So God, help us to do that. Help us to understand what you designed friendship for, and help us to use friendship that way. To understand that our friends are supposed to be pushing us to be more like you, and we're supposed to be doing the same thing. So God, please help us all to be the wise friend and to surround ourselves with wise and godly people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.